This is DWMOD. That's disagree with me or don't, guys. You know the deal. That's how it works. You disagree with me or you don't. That's the show. I'm your host, Mikey Wilson, and we are back for our annual NFL draft episode. We're excited about it. I love doing this every single year. Uh, you guys turn out and listen every single year. And side note, we've doubled our listeners in the last year and a half here. So, you know, it's not uh, 40,000 people yet, but I'm telling you what, we got a steady growing audience and I appreciate you guys. I appreciate every uh, every one of you guys for tuning in and listening. I'm going to try to keep this thing rolling, man, and keep it going. And we got a lot to get into this week with talking about the Lions, the draft. You know how passionate I am about the Lions. You know where I stand on this new re- this new uh, regime. You know I like these guys. I like Dan Campbell as the coach. We could see the culture was getting changed last year. And if you've been listening to me on this show for years and you've known me for longer than I've been doing this show, you've been listening to me for years talk about the Lions are never going to change until they change that culture, man. The culture has to change. And and Dan Campbell seems like the guy to be getting that done. Uh, it's going to be fun, man. We're going to watch him on hard knocks this year. And this team definitely played hard, hard down the stretch. It seemed to be a locker room that had bought in. They were into the team value of things. They're playing together, playing for each other, playing tough all the way. In games, were getting blown out. They were fighting in the fourth quarter to try to get down there and score again or try to stop them again. I mean, Dan Campbell has these guys bought in, and that is a rarity on a team that only won a couple of games. So I'm telling you, last year's draft, excellent plugging holes up front, offensive, defensive line, plugging holes where we needed, trying to get things on the right track, building from within in the trenches. That's what I've always been screaming. That's what I love. You've been listening to this show for years. You can go back and check out all my episodes for years. I was talking about the need to trade Stafford to start this thing over. Love Matt Stafford. Congratulations him on the Super Bowl. I couldn't be more happy for the guy. I'm a huge Stafford fan. I wanted him out so he could have a chance at winning as well, as much as I knew that that's what we needed to reset this thing, man. And it seems to be in the right direction. I'm with these guys. I've got some predictions on what I think they're going to do if they stay true to themselves and their plan here this year. We're going to get into that. We're going to try to predict every single pick in the first round like we do every single year. And you can keep track for yourself at home, man. Tweet the show and let us know what you get. Here's how we score it. Okay, and I'm going to put mine out on a podcast here, and I'm going to tweet my whole first round out later tonight as well. But this is how we do it. If you nail the pick, you absolutely nail the pick, like the Jaguars take Hutchinson, and you said Jaguars are going to take Hutchinson, you get three points for that, okay? And you're going to get one point every time you nail the position. So let's say you said the Jaguars are going to take Hutchinson. You're saying they're going to take an edge player first. Well, they take Trayvon Walker instead of Hutchinson. You get one point. You were right. They went for the edge player. All right, so you see how that's how we're going to score them. Now, last year, I put my first round up head-to-head against Mel Kuyper Jr.'s first round to see who could get what. Now, Mel crushed me on direct hits. He had six picks in the first round that were exactly correct. I only had two, okay? But as far as positions, for positions – He had seven correct positions, but wrong player. I had eight correct position picks, but the wrong player. So as far as like a guy gets paid a ton of money to do this, um, I was right there with him, and I was pretty proud about that. So I'm going to see how I do this year as well. I enjoy doing this. It's a lot of fun.
But before we get into all that, we got to take a quick second here to hit the intro. We got to get into some knock it offs. We got to get into some quick hits. We got to do the things that we do that make this DWMOD, guys. So let's go. Yes. I'm Mikey Wilson, and this is DWMOD. You. Welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys Cade Cunningham. Let's roll. Down! Hut! 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 It's 2021, and Sweet Lou Whitaker is still not in the Baseball Hall of Fame. An atrocity. Ready? Aw, Lions fans drinking that Kool-Aid Super Bowl! Hey, disagree with me or don't. That's how it works. Hut! Hut! The Dan Campbell era has officially started in Detroit, and I'm all in simply for the change in culture that it'll bring. Let the next guy worry about winning. I love it. Good riddance to the greedy NCAA who decided they wouldn't share one penny of their billions in profits with players. Instead, they'll let name, image, and likeness pay the players. Bye, NCAA. You're no longer needed. Ready? Major League Baseball's sticky tack on the mound trials were nothing more than a witch hunt to hide the fact that it's home run or bust at the plate and no one can hit anymore. Hey, disagree with me or don't. That's how it works. All right, guys. All right, man. Let's get things started this week and jump right into some quick hits. Starting with the NHL. The Red Wings are eliminated from playoff contention again this year, guys. They haven't been in a playoff since 2016. Now, all those Stanley Cups, all that, you know, team of the decades and things like that, hey, we killed it for a long time. We were hockey town for a reason. And it goes with the territory. There's going to be a rebuild after that, no doubt about it. But it has taken quite a long time. Nobody's asking for Stanley Cup contention here, but we are asking for the rebuild to be in a place where we can make the playoffs. I mean, we pointed out on this show before, it's not too hard to make the playoffs in the NHL or the NBA. I mean, you got to be barely 500 competitive to get into the playoffs. But Stevie Wise back. He's in charge of things, man. We're going to give him some time because we know what he can do. Look what's going on down there in Tampa Bay. They are still rolling multiple Stanley Cups, one of the best teams in the league, inside and out. And that brings me to a point here. Uh, big up to my man John Burkhart. Buddy of mine from the Detroit Fire Department, he is now full-time scout with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and he was just at the White House the other day uh, with the Stanley Cup and stuff. So, man, he is living it up. He had brought the Stanley Cup home, had a big party, bunch of firemen over there at Duffy's and stuff. Congratulations to you, my man. I couldn't be more proud of you, more happy for you. But on a down note, the Red Wings have let go, or the term fired, Al Sabaka. Now, you guys know who that is. He is the longtime Zamboni driver of the Red Wings. I think 51 years the guy had been doing it there. You all know him from the playoffs and, and all the famous moments in Red Wing history where this guy's out there on the ice grabbing the octopus, twirling it around over his head, cleaning him. You know, the guy that used to clean the octopus off the ice all the time stuff, drive the Zamboni. I mean, 51 years a guy's been doing it, and I don't think he's that old. I think he started doing it young. So, you know, I don't know what the reasons are behind that, but, I mean, come on. That guy's a staple around town. Just let him drive it until he has an accident, all right? I mean, that's what we do with elderly folks and their driver's license, right? Just let him keep renewing by mail till they crash, and then we take it away. Let him do his thing till he crashes it, man. 
Pistons also eliminated from the playoffs this year in the NBA. You guys all know that. But was a pretty fun team to watch this year. This team started to get pretty competitive, especially down the stretch. Now, we'll be in the lottery again, but that's great. We're going to get another player like Cade Cunningham with big ups to Cade. Finished third in Rookie of the Year voting and really started coming into his, his own down the stretch there at the end of the season. So, I think we definitely have some pieces, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this team moving forward, man. Hey, we can't talk NBA without talking about the early sweep, the early exit of the Brooklyn Nets, the team that was the odds-on favorite to win the title this year at the beginning of the season, had to struggle to get into the playoffs, and then just got absolutely got their brakes beat off by the Boston Celtics, and Kevin Durant looked like he didn't know what to do. He didn't know how to handle that defense, which just doubles us down on our point we've been making on the show for years, man. Quit telling us that these guys are the greatest scorers in the history of the game. No, the game is different now. The regular season doesn't matter. These guys are all buddies. There's no rivalries. They don't play hard. They go out there to avoid injury, take rest, sit games out, load management. 50-point games, you've listened to the show. We've done it. We've put the numbers out there for you. 50-point games, 60-point games, 40-point games. These things are on an all-time high at, at like a rate of 4-1 to one as to how they used to happen back when guys were competitive. Um, you know, so stop telling me these guys are the greatest scorers because come playoff time, when people buckle down and start playing defense, you see all these guys come down to earth. You know what I mean? So, listen, great player. KD's phenomenal player. I'm not dogging him. He's got a place as one of the all-time greats. He does. But stop telling me this is the greatest scorer to ever play the game. A little bit of defense in the first round, and he's, he's scoring 14, 16, 17. So, you know, these regular season numbers, they don't mean anything to me anymore, man. Also, mark me down for I don't care how good Kyrie Irving is. I wouldn't want him in my locker room. I wouldn't sign him back. I'd let him walk. There's no way I'd give him a max $200-plus deal for I don't care how many years. There's no way I would want this guy on my team unless I was having trouble drawing fans. Maybe he can go play for the Magic or something. I wouldn't have this guy anywhere near my team if I wanted to try to win a championship. No dice. Huge, huge congratulations to my man Miguel Cabrera. 3,000 hits, 500 home runs, and hitting over 300 for his career. That's him, Willie Mays, and Hank Aaron. Those three guys, the only three guys in the history of the game to do it, and Miggy's got the highest average of the three. Uh, He's the only guy to also win the Triple Crown and have 3,000 hits, 500 home runs. This guy, when they say a generational Hitter, uh, you got to watch a all-time history of the game hitter, multi-generational hitter. This guy is one of the best all-tool hitters we've ever seen, ever. I mean, for me, Tony Gwynn is the best pure hitter I've ever seen play the game. Miguel Cabrera is the best all-round hitter that I've ever seen. I mean, you don't see a guy push the ball the right field the way he does. He puts on a clinic with it. I, I mean, I don't even need to get into it all, but Miguel Cabrera... Huge, huge honor to be able to watch this guy play out his career with the Detroit Tigers, man. Thank you for everything. I also got a big thumbs down for baseball right now, and it's all about analytics, man. You know where I stand on this, and I'm going to keep banging this drum. Analytics is ruining the game of baseball. Uh, A few weeks ago, uh, Dave Roberts pulled Clayton Kershaw 
after seven perfect innings. The guy needed six more outs to have, what, the 23rd perfect game in the history of Major League Baseball. I mean, that they, there's some crazy number, like 270,000 baseball games have been played at the Major League level or something like that. 23 times somebody's had a, thrown a perfect game. The guy's six outs away. The guy is a classy veteran. He deserves every opportunity to go after something like that. It's not like this was some young kid and he was at 150 pitch count and they had to get him out of there. He had thrown 80 pitches, 80 pitches at the time. And Dave Roberts goes out and get him and pulls him. I mean, analytics is ruining the game of baseball, man. Your sport needs big moments. Baseball's hurting right now and you need big moments and that's a big moment where you could have got some eyeballs and let that guy go chase that thing, and you don't, and you yank him. So uh, for Dave Roberts, uh, I got one thing to say to you, buddy. All right, knock it off. Knock it off. I mean, seriously, in the history of Major League Baseball, only two times has a pitcher been yanked after seven perfect innings. Okay, only twice in the history of the game has a pitcher been yanked from the game after 21 perfect outs. That was just a couple of weeks ago. Dave Roberts pulled Kershaw out of the game. And about five years before that, Dave Roberts again pulled Rich Hill from a game after seven perfect innings. I mean, knock it off, man, with the computer in L.A., will you? It already cost you a couple of World Series. Okay, you went and got the Pandemic World Series. Great. But there's a couple other World Series that 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 analytics really cost you. You can talk about the Astros cheating and stealing signs and banging the drum, but there were times during that series where I, I, I believe there was one time during that series where you had the guy who led your team in home runs not in the lineup because analytics said he didn't hit that pitcher well. I mean, analytics is ruining baseball, and the Dodgers are one of the teams that live by it. All right, knock it off. Knock it off. Here's a fun stat for you baseball guys out there, uh, guys and girls, baseball people, whatever. Here's a fun stat for you. Uh, there's like 60 guys in Major League Baseball right now that are hitting under 200. They're not even hitting 200, okay? The league average is right around 230. 230. That's the lowest that it's been since like 1901, okay? I see why they lifted the PED testing. I see why they got rid of that, man. Uh, something needs to come along and save baseball after a strike, just like it did in 98. They have put all the money on taking a walk or hitting a home run, and I've banged this drum too. It's gotten terribly boring, and now nobody can hit, and it's going to take a few generations to fix that. All right, knock it off. Knock it off. Yeah, Major League Baseball's in some trouble, guys, but they try to do some things in the offseason to change that. Um, you know, I think they get it. They're not going to go public with it, but they get it, and they got to make some more changes going into next year. They're going to have to get rid of that shift. But anyways, this is all another conversation for another time, guys, because it is time for the 2022 NFL Draft. Now, before we get into Lions, and I'm going to get into them hard here in just a second, I want to bring up one more thing I've been thinking about, and you guys can tell me whether you disagree with me or don't on this. But I see a trend coming in the next bunch of years here with the NFL draft in regards to wide receivers. The wide receiver class this year is so deep, and wide receivers in the NFL this year are getting huge, huge money contracts, right? Big money is being spent on wide receivers. And to me, this whole situation just reeks of how it used to be with running backs. 
You know what I mean? They used to be a high commodity in the draft. Get them early. They were making tons of money. And then the league started to switch over into this back by committee thing because you could see they didn't have a long shelf life and the money that you were spending on them you could see the investment kind of just wasn't there and I think wide receiver is going to fall into this category within the next few years and here's why one small difference it's not because these guys can't last and they take a pounding it's because of the college game in the college game right now, everything is is going to spread, hurry up offenses, these strike quick, air happy offenses where teams are six, seven, eight deep at wide receiver, guys who are playing regularly at a young age. Guys are coming in as freshmen, sophomores, ready to play, and that wide receiver group will be eight deep, rotating and playing and getting reps. And I think that in the next four to five years, you're going to see a lot of draft classes like this year where it is just loaded with wide receiver talent and they're all ready to come in and play. And that's because of what's happening in a college game. So I think that that's just going to transcend into, unfortunately, I think wide receivers are going to fall into that category of, hey, just wait, get one in the second or third round. There's so many of them. They can play. They're plug and play. You can put them in. Now, there'll be exceptions to the rule. There'll be exceptional players that will come through that will get drafted quicker than that. But I really see that happening in the future, that wide receivers will be the guys you'll start passing on because there'll just be so many. You can grab one in the third round, and he's going to get you just as many catches and be able to play because they're just going to be in abundance. And I think this year's draft is kind of showing that. A lot of really good wide receivers, and it's really, really deep. And I don't see that trend stopping with the way the college game is going. But anyways, with that being said, let's talk Lions, guys. We got a lot of draft capital built up. Like I said before, we're heading in the right direction. But there are a lot of rumors swirling around what we might want to do and about drafting a quarterback. You know where I stand on this, guys. Absolutely not. If you want to take a flyer on a guy later in the draft, like in the fifth round, like a, a Bailey Zappi or something, I'm all for that. That's a kid that might be a great long-term backup. You know, he could de- possibly develop into a really good starter, but he's probably going to be a great long-term backup or something. You want to try something like that? Fine. We are not trying to find the guy to take us to the next level right now in this draft this year. That will be a dumb move. And completely against everything we set up and established last year as how we're moving forward with this team. Not to mention, down the stretch, Jared Goff played fine. Okay, so everybody out there, go ahead and take my words, twist my words, say, uh, Wilson saying that Goff is the guy. He thinks he could be the guy. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that he is. I'm not saying that he isn't. I'm saying he played fine for us to wait another year and get a shot at next year's draft class, which is going to be much, much better. And also sets you up for the recipe of making a Super Bowl run. Yes, I'm talking about Lions and a Super Bowl run. We have built a great offensive line. We have got a very good running back. Okay, we build up the defensive side of the ball. Get ourselves a killer pass rusher this year. Maybe add a linebacker, some help in the secondary, a safety. There's a safety that I really like that I'd like for us to get. We build like that going into next year. Spend a bit of the draft capital we got to get a guy like C.J. Stroud or go ahead and get Bryce from Alabama, something like that. Plug them in on a rookie deal. Bring in a couple of free agents because you got money. Your quarterback's on a rookie deal, and he's good and ready to step in and play right away. 
And that's how you make a run in the league now. I mean, if I had a dollar for every time last year people were telling me the Lions should make a move and get Fields, he's going to be best available where you can make a move. You should get Fields. Get Justin Fields. Get yourself a quarterback. Get Justin Fields. Well, how did that work out for the Bears reaching for Justin Fields when they're not ready to win yet? They're not ready to win yet, and they're sellers. And the and the Mac, Mac is gone now because they're sellers, and they're not ready to win yet. But they went and got a quarterback who's young and needs help to win, and now he's got no help, and they're going to pin it on him that he can't win. That's just not how you do it, guys. You don't do it that way. Not to mention the top four quarterbacks in this year's quarterback class wouldn't even be considered first-rounders in any other year. These guys wouldn't even be first-rounders in any other year. I mean, they just wouldn't. And I get it. Everybody's seen the internet viral video of Willis passing against himself backwards the other way for a 70-yard bomb against nobody on air. That's awesome. I'm not interested, man. I'm really not interested in Willis. Look, Malik Willis may be a great player in this league going forward. Maybe I'll be wrong. But here's what I'll tell you why I'm out on a guy like that. Okay? Because he is not Lamar Jackson. You can make whatever comparisons you want or say no because this guy throws the ball better than Lamar Jackson. Maybe he does, but he is not very big to be running around the way he runs around. I am out on that kind of quarterback, okay? Russell Wilson is a guy who is an anomaly at that, and when he's running around, he's looking for a place to deliver the football. So you can hand me all Malik Willis's rushing yards he got this year at Liberty. I mean, that brings me to my next point. This guy wouldn't even be probably picked in the first two rounds in any other draft class, but they're hyping him up because there's no other quarterbacks this year, and he does have a special set of athletic skills. Is it exceptional like Lamar Jackson's? No, it's not. It's not at all. And I understand they're not the same exact type of player. I get that. I'm just making the comparison to how athletic he is is why they're pushing him so hard. And I'm not interested for a couple of reasons, man. Number one, I'm really not that interested in a guy who needed to downgrade the competition to excel. I mean, he had to leave a power five to go to Liberty to get a shot. And when he got a shot, he made the best of it, and he played very well. But did he play like, was he blowing the competition away down there? Were they just smoking everybody? No, they lost games. He lost games. Was he one of these guys that was like a Steve McNair at an Alcorn State where like he's being considered for the Heisman because he's so much better than that talent level he was playing at? No, he's not. He wasn't. I'm just not terribly excited about this guy coming in to an organization like ours in Detroit and being the guy that you think is going to save the franchise. He is not. He is not. Now, maybe you could take this guy and plug him in 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 Denver where they already kind of know how to win and got a defense built, and maybe he can be beyond serviceable and be pretty good or something. But look, that is just not our situation. I am out on Malik Willis. No thanks. I'll roll with, with golf, man. Like I pointed out last year. Uh, we can cut him after this year if it doesn't work out. We don't owe him a penny. And he's 27 years old, and he started coming into his own a little bit. Maybe he needed to be removed from a guy like McVay who had needed total control over him and stuff, and vice versa. Maybe maybe McVay needed a guy he didn't need to hold his hand and babysit him, and that's why Stafford worked better for him. I'm not knocking any of these guys. Sometimes you just need a different situation. 
and being thrown to the wolves last year for a team that wasn't very good and the whole world coming down on you and saying you suck and you're going to be out of the league in two years, maybe that puts a chip on the guy's shoulder that he needed instead of walking right into a team that was Super Bowl ready and going to the Super Bowl really early. Maybe he needed a little wake-up call, but the dude is young, man, and played pretty well down the stretch. I'm going to keep banging that drum, so I don't see any reason why we need to reach for a quarterback this year. We do not. We've got the draft capital built up to even if we're 500 this year, we'll be able to make a move to get to the top of the draft next year and get a quarterback. And by the way, take a look at the league from top to bottom right now. Who are teams that next year are going to be in the market for a quarterback for sure? There's only going to be a couple, right? I mean, this thing goes in cycles and to, to a point where it's been so many years in a row that the bad teams have floated to the top and grabbed themselves the quarterback they're trying to make it with right now. There's not going to be like six teams at the top of the draft that need a quarterback next year. Next year is perfect striking opportunity to spend some capital, move up in the draft, get a guy like Stroud out of Ohio State. That's where I'm going. That's what I'm sticking with. All right, and that goes from Matt Corral, too. A lot of talk that we're going to take Matt Corral at the bottom of the first round. No thanks. No thanks. You know, I get it that he fits a Dan Campbell regime because he is one of those guys, and he has a reputation coming out of Ole Miss where everyone on the team loves him. He's not a Baker Mayfield. Everybody on the team loves this guy. He's got a great attitude. He solidifies the locker room, and guys are ready to go to war for him. He is the guy in this quarterback class that has that reputation. Now, he doesn't have the pedigree of guys like Pickett or Ritter, but he does have that reputation of being a gamer that guys love. And that fits Dan Campbell, and I understand that. I'm still not interested in it, even at the bottom of the first round. I'm not. Too many needs on defense. Too many good players on the defensive side of the ball in this draft to do that, you know. Maybe if a guy like that falls into, you know, the third round, which he's probably not going to, then maybe I'll be fine with taking a shot at it then. But I'm telling you, not at 32. Not Matt Corral, uh, not Ritter, not Pickett, not Willis. None of these guys, man. No thank you. Now, you can disagree with me or don't on that all you want. Go ahead and hit me up at DWMODpod, and I'll see what you got to say. But I'm sticking to my guns on that. Now, let's get into it with the first round of the NFL draft. And I'm coming for you this year, Mr. Mel Kuyper. I am coming for you. Now, full disclosure here. I do not peel through a bunch of other mock drafts, not even McShay's uh, and not Mel Kuypers, anybody's. I don't pick through those to see where these guys think teams are picking and then try to follow that skeleton. I don't even do that. Here's my process for this. I do take a look at their player evaluations. I will look at their big boards, see who they think their best players are, because they get access to way more tape than I do. Okay, I do take a look at all of that, and I do take a look at the list by position that they will make of here's the 10 best available safeties, and I will read up on why they think certain guys are. I will read up on their player evaluations. I don't peel through their drafts to see who they think is getting taken where and what. I don't do that. Uh, Watching ESPN earlier, and I saw one draft analyst, neither one of those two guys, another guy, and he was saying, look, when you ask me and my final, he had his final draft, you know, come out uh, just this evening. And he said, when you ask me who's picking at what spot, I, I don't 
tell you who I think they're going to pick based on who I think they should pick. He said, I don't attack it like a GM and who I think they should take. I try to base my picks on what I'm hearing. What am I hearing from my sources at these teams as to where they're leaning? So these guys get a lot more access to that kind of stuff. But I'm going to tell you I think that's a detriment because, honestly, they use these guys to leak who they want other teams to think they're going to pick. It's all smoke and mirrors at this point, man. So to me, when I hear the night before a draft, oh, it's getting out that the Panthers are leaning toward blah, 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 to me, I think, nah, unless there's some really loose lips over there, that's what they want everybody to think. So I don't get caught up in that because it's just too hard to figure out without having actual contact with these sources, which I don't. So I will absolutely look at player evaluations, and then I will look at team need, and I will be making these picks as if I were the GM for these teams. That's how I like to approach it. Not to mention, you guys know I'm a college football nut, so I I literally have watched most of these guys that are top 10 at every position. I've seen them play multiple games. Without digging through tape, I've watched him play, and when a name jumps out at me, I, I will know. No, I know that guy. I watched him play in the Big 12 championship game. Yeah, I know what he can do. You know what I mean? So, anyway, that's where I'm coming from. Here's my draft. Let's get to it, starting with the Jags. Number one on the board, Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay, their biggest needs, obviously, O-line and edge rusher. They have got to get an edge rusher down there in that conference, and they have got to get some O-linemen to protect their investment. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is their guy. You got to get some old linemen to protect him. Now, there are two reasons they're not going to take a big O tackle in this draft with the number one overall pick. Number one, part A, this is a pretty deep class for some really good tackles. They might be able to circle around, make a move, and get one later. Okay. Uh, number two, they are in desperate need of an edge rusher, and there are some really good edge rushers that are going to go fast at the top of this draft so they need to get one of them but my second reason that was 1b my second reason is the way robinson played for them last year on the o-line i mean he solidified himself as a legitimate tackle he played really really well and i think they're comfortable with him coming back that they can make this pick on the edge now i'm not buying into the smoke screen that the vegas are odds are now that it's going to be walker out of georgia number one to the jags i think that's a bunch of smoke screen which I don't know why they would need it. They're number one. Maybe they're hoping somebody will try to switch with them like Detroit. I don't know. But I'm telling you right now, for my money, I think they're taking Aiden Hutchinson. So I got Aiden Hutchinson number one to the Jaguars. No trickery there. And that puts the Detroit Lions on the clock at number two. And, guys, I'm going to keep it simple here. It is not going to be Malik Willis. If it is Malik Willis with the number two pick right here in the draft, I am telling you right now, as I tweeted out before, I will post a video of myself shooting a beer out of a dirty shoe. There is no way Dan Campbell is reaching for this kid with the number two overall pick when he's got Trayvon Walker sitting in his lap, and we need help on defense. The Lions were 29th in the league last year in yards allowed and 31st in points allowed. Uh, two really bad places to be on defense. We need an edge rusher to be feared like there's no tomorrow. And the Lions, with the number two pick, are going to take Trayvon Walker. I don't think they're going to take Thibodeau. I don't think Campbell likes him. He's one of these guys that has a, a bunch of potential, plays very physical, and I know Campbell likes that, but he's also a guy, if you ever watch him in interviews, he is absolutely out there talking about, 
his brand and how to longevity and businesses that he wants to start and make a like he's one of these guys where football is going to be his gateway to this other life and and Dan Campbell ain't interested in that he wants guys to play football that's Trayvon Walker and that's what we're going to take now I know there's also some swirling rumors about Kyle Hamilton a safety out of Notre Dame now I would not take him over one of these edge rushers right here with the number two spot, but that kid is a legitimate football player, and it would seem like a bad taste in your mouth taking him at number two after we stupidly took a corner at number three a couple years ago, but it wouldn't be. I'm just going to tell you that right now. That wouldn't be the greatest pick in the world, but that would not be a, tra- a tragedy. You know what I mean? That kid's a good football player, but I just don't think they're going to do that. And by the way, there's another safety in the draft that I absolutely love that I want the Lions to get, and we'll get to him later. So it's Walker out of Georgia for the Lions at number two. And that brings us to number three, the Houston Texans. Now, we all know the Houston Texans just traded Deshaun Watson to the Browns. We all know what was going on there, but that does give them an extra first-round pick. So they'll be picking 13 again. So coming right up around the corner here, Houston will be picking again. Now, There's no need for them to jump into the quarterback market here either. Also, because Davis Mills played pretty well for him last year. Now, I'm not saying he's the replacement for Watson and blah, blah, blah. I'm saying this is a young kid that showed some flashes on a a bad team. And why not roll with him for another year and see what you got? You don't need to spend this capital on a quarterback right now. Matter of fact, I think they'll take the opportunity to take the big offensive tackle this year to protect the investment they're going to take next year at quarterback. And right here with the third pick, I think that the Houston Texans will take Ika McQuainu, uh, offensive tackle out of NC State. They call him Mr. Pancake. This guy's supposed to be a can't-miss offensive tackle. And if you're Houston, you're picking again at 13. Why not take this guy right now? And that takes us to the Jets at number four. Now, rumor mills everywhere are the Jets want Equinu as well, and they will not pass on him. He's that good a talent. But they're not going to get the chance. He's already going to be gone on my board. And, you know, this is a defensive coach here. I mean, Salah is a defensive coach here, and you got some edge rushers on the board that he still is very interested in, and they draft again in the 10th spot. You know, they're picking 4th and 10th here. So wide receiver is a need for them to, to put with Zach Wilson. There's no doubt about that, but the wide receiver class is so, so deep in this draft. And when you're going to be seeing on a regular basis Josh Allen to uh, – Mac Jones, you're, you're going to need to get after the quarterback in this division. And the Jets' biggest needs are on the edge, pass rusher, and corner. Uh, it, it just is. They definitely need a wide receiver, but they can address that later if we've gone over. And I really think here at number four, I think they're going to take Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. Uh, kid's a hell of a player. I had the opportunity to see my son play against him in high school out here in California. He's a great player, man, and I think that that is exactly where Sal is going to go with the fourth pick. And then on a tenth pick, I'll get there in a second, but you'll see what I think they're going to do there. So that takes us to the New York Giants, the football Giants at number five. Now, the Giants will pick number five. They will also pick number seven. A lot of that going on early in the draft this year. A lot of teams with some early capital. Giants pick five and seven, but here at number five, Uh, You know, they've already made it really, really uh, clear to us that they're rolling with Daniel Jones, okay? They didn't go out and and get Mitch Trubisky, as a lot of people thought they were going to do, bring him over with the staff from um, Buffalo. They thought that was going to happen. It hasn't. So they told us they're rolling with Daniel Jones here, 
and expect them to have a healthy Saquon Barkley back this year as well. Their biggest needs as a team, offensive tackle, edge rusher, and safety. So they're just going to keep it real simple here. You're going to protect your investments. They're finally going to go out and get that big offensive tackle. And I'm going to tell you right now, they're going to take Evan Neal, offensive tackle, Alabama. Now here's where it gets interesting at number six with the Carolina Panthers. Matt Rule is definitely on the hot seat here in Carolina. And this just brings back terrible memories, just like the Lions. Uh, you know, with Beardy McPatriots, the failure a, a few years back, meaning just this. There's no time to build. There's no time to grab guys to plug into other places. You got to win, and you got to win now, and you got to hope to catch lightning in a bottle with this pick to do it in order to save your job. Now, they pick sixth here in the first round, but they do not pick again until the fourth round, so they need to throw a dart here. They're going to overreach, and they're going to go quarterback with this pick. And they are going to go right past the big fella Pickett, who is a safer choice in the long run. But Rule needs lightning in a bottle this year. He needs a guy to come in to make a splash. And he is going to put all his money on a lotto ticket with Malik Willis out of Liberty. And that takes us to number seven. We're back with the New York football Giants again. Now, we told you what the needs were. Offensive tackle, edge rusher, safety. But with the top three edge rushers off the board right now, I think the Giants are going to keep it real simple here again. And they're going to take what many believe to be the best defensive player in the draft here. They're going to take Kyle Hamilton, safety, out of Notre Dame, and keep it rolling. And that takes us to the eighth pick. And again, this gets kind of interesting. Number eight is the Atlanta Falcons. All right, their biggest needs... Wide receiver, again, edge rusher is a theme this year, and quarterback. I mean, they traded Matt Ryan out, and sidebar really quickly, I think the NFL has adopted a better way to deal with aging quarterbacks. Used to be an aging quarterback, they would reward him and give him this big money contract, and then they'd spend a bunch of years not being very good as this guy get put out to pasture around a team that's rebuilding because his contract's been so high for so many years. It wasn't good for the team's. Wasn't really good for these quarterbacks at the end of the career. And I think they found a really good, you know, mutual agreement here. Now they're letting these quarterbacks out when it's time to start a little bit of a rebuild. And they're getting draft capital in return, which helps with that rebuild faster. And instead of rewarding this guy with the money, they've already given him a bunch of money. They reward him with the opportunity to go to a competitive team at the end of his career and take one more run at it. You know, we see it with Matt Stafford. Uh, we see it with Matt Ryan now. And I think that this is uh, this is going to be good, good for the future. Anyway, sidebar over, back to the pick. I'm certain the Falcons are not going to overreach, especially with Malik Willis off the board right here. There will not be a quarterback pick here at number eight, and I don't think they're going to go edge. With the eighth pick overall, you're not going to settle for the fourth best edge rusher. I think they're going to get out in front of everybody else, and they're going to take a little heat off of their last year's pick, the tight end Kyle Pitts, and they're going to go wide receiver right here. So I think Garrett Wilson will be the pick out of Ohio State here at number eight for the Falcons. Now, keep this in mind with the Falcons, okay? They picked two times in the second round and two times in the third round. So here's something I haven't heard a lot of people talking about as we talk about where might Baker Mayfield land on draft day if they're going to move him. Um, the Falcons might be a brilliant move for the Falcons there. They've got plenty of picks in the second and third round heading into the fourth you know, uh, maybe they send a third and a fourth rounder to Cleveland for Baker. They get a wide receiver. They got Kyle Pitts. They get Baker Mayfield to come in as their quarterback. I mean, I think a Falcons move for Baker Mayfield here is way more 
plausible and better for the Falcons than all the other rumors about them moving up to the bottom of the first round and swapping with the Lions so they could take Matt Corral or something. I mean, everybody's in consensus agreement here that love him or hate him, Baker Mayfield's better than any quarterback that's in this draft class, and he's ready to start right now. I think it'd be really smart for the Falcons to package up some later-round picks and go get Baker Mayfield. I don't know. We'll see. Number nine, number nine, the Seahawks are picking at number nine. Now, it's also been rumored that they might be in the market for Baker Mayfield. I highly doubt it. This rebuild is deep. I don't think they're looking to be giving anything up to go and get him. I just don't see that happening. Their biggest needs, offensive tackle, linebacker to make up for cutting Bobby Wagner, and offensive line, interior, probably center. But what they're not going to be doing right now is looking to replace Russell Wilson. That's It's not happening, okay? All right, they'll be happy to roll with Drew Locke for a year or whatever. But I think it's defense here for the Seahawks. I think it's time during the rebuild to get back to their roots here. Uh, You know, Pete's going to get back to his roots, Legion of Boom type stuff. They can address the rest of their needs at the top of the second round. Those positions are a lot deeper. Linebacker and corner are not very deep in this draft. So I think right here you'll see them try to replace Bobby Wagner. And I think the Seattle Seahawks will take N'Kobe Dean linebacker Georgia he's a guy that a lot of these analysts are saying they can't believe that he's probably going to fall to the second day because he's one of the best football players in this draft class he's the best linebacker but they're going over their draft boards again and again and they just see this guy drop into the second day because of the way people are going to be picking other positions I don't see it that way man guy's a hell of a football player and I see him going right here to the Seahawks. Now, they very well could go corner here because they need one really bad. And there are two phenomenal, phenomenal talents in this draft at corner right now that are still both available. But that's such a bad, bad move for a rebuilding team to take a corner early in the draft out of the Detroit Lions. You're taking a guy whose specialty is supposed to be shutting down receivers and covering, and he's going to spend the first two years of your rebuild doing nothing but tackling ball carriers as you're getting your brakes beat off and they're just trying to run the clock out on you. It's a bad, bad move to take a corner early in a rebuild. And speaking of corner, that takes us to the number 10 pick. The Jets are back on the board, and Salah's going defense again right here, and here comes your first corner off the board. I'm telling you right now, the Jets, ironically from the Seahawks, will take Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati. Boom. Moving on to number 11, the Washington Commanders. It's going to take me a while to get used to that stupid name they chose. But the Washington Commanders, their biggest needs, corner, linebacker, and probably wide receiver try to give Wentz a weapon, but not this early. Again, the draft is very deep in it. They've already got McLaurin. So I'm assuming they're going to go corner or linebacker here and try to help that defense out, which is already really, really good. But I'm going with back-to-back corner selections here. Okay, the Washington Commanders are going to take Derek Stingley Jr., LSU, and why not? They're decent against the run. They've already shored up their investment in the pass rushing game. Uh, you know, they got to clean up that secondary, which quite frankly was bad in 21. And that takes us to pick number 12. The Minnesota Vikings are on the clock. Now, they could obviously use some help at corner, defensive line, and offensive line. Okay? But I think that the Vikings here are going defense for sure. I mean, they'd love Stingley Jr. or Sauce Gardner. They really need a corner like that. But to me, both those guys are off the board already. So they'll go defensive tackle, and they'll take Jordan Davis, defensive tackle out of Georgia. Now the Houston Texans come back around at 13 here with the pick they acquired from the Browns, and they need an edge player for sure. 
and Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State is still on the board here, and they'll take him. And that takes us to the Ravens at 14. Now, a lot of speculation here that the Ravens are going to go O-line here for sure because they need help protecting Lamar Jackson. But I don't think that the problem protecting Lamar Jackson last year was the offensive line. I think it was the fact that they couldn't run the football. They didn't have a running back. They just need a running back to pretend to protect Lamar Jackson. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, their biggest needs are defensive end and some help in that secondary. And, again, I'm going to bang this drum. There are now four edge rushers off the board. They're not going to reach this early when there's still a dynamic corner on the board. I mean, I I think they're going to take Trent McDuffie corner out of Washington. This guy was seen to be the best corner in this class at the beginning of the college football season before that major implosion up in Seattle when the Huskies team went off the rail. This kid's really good, and they really need one. Now, as we hit the middle of the draft here, we're getting right into the soap opera. That is the Eagles and the Saints, and the Eagles and the Saints, and the Eagles and the Saints with all their picks, and they're swapping. And anyway, here we go at 15, the Eagles. Their biggest needs, secondary, linebacker, and offensive guard. Now, the Eagles are about to start making a run of picks here that can really put them in instant contention in the NFC East. I mean, they made the playoffs last year with Jalen Hurts, and, you know, they got a bunch of early picks this year. What is to stop them from stocking up on defense here and, you know, doing what they couldn't do last year? And that's stop people. So for my money, they're going to go linebacker here because Devin Lloyd of Utah is still available. This kid's a killer, killer linebacker. I'm going Devin Lloyd, Utah here at 15 to the Eagles. Now the Saints picking at 16 from the Eagles. They move up here, wide receiver and probably offensive tackle, their two biggest needs. Now they're going to pick again and three more picks, so I just don't see them going with a wide receiver here because they'll still have their choice of them in three more picks. I think they're going to go with the offensive lineman right here, and I think they're going to take Charles Cross, offensive tackle, Mississippi State. Next up is the Chargers at 17, and there's a lot of speculation that they need to go defensive line here. Defensive tackle, interior defensive line, they weren't very good against the run, but I think that was because they need some help at linebacker. But offensive line is also just too available at this spot right now to protect their biggest investment, Justin Herbert, in a league, I'm sorry, in a division that is going to be looking to outscore each other. Uh, I think they just don't pass up on the chance to grab that right tackle they need to solidify what will probably be the best offensive line in that division. And they'll take offensive tackle Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa. And that takes us to 18. Eagles back on the board, and I'm telling you, they're going to go defense again here. Everybody has them taking wide receiver, wide receiver. I just don't see it. I see them going defensive again here. And taking the utility secondary player out of Michigan, and that's Daxon Hill. This guy has moved up the charts for a lot of guys. Uh, they think he can be kind of like a honey badger type, move around, give you a lot of problems, and the Eagles need somebody in the secondary to help like that. I got Daxon Hill from Michigan going 18 to the Eagles. And back to the Saints again. The Saints at 19, and here's they're going to get their wide receiver. Okay, they got to go wide receiver here. They need to make up for what is Michael Thomas being Michael Thomas. I mean, is he available? Is he not available? Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? I mean, they need to go get a wide receiver here. And I think the Saints will take Drake London out of USC. And that takes us to number 20, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, everybody and their mama has them taking Malik Willis here, but I already got him gone. He's gone. 
So I still think they're going to reach here and they're going to go QB. They are not happy with Mason Rudolph. I really think that they're going to jump and go QB here, and I think they're going to keep it in the building. I think they're going to go right down the street and they're going to take Kenny Pickett, Pitt, right here to Mike Tomlin and the Steelers. Now the next pick is number 21 is the New England Patriots, and as we all know, your guess is as good as any's. Bill Belichick will be all over the place. He'll pick a guy you never heard of, and the guy will be an all-pro. Now, their biggest need is going to be in the secondary. We all know they're going to need to replace that spot at corner. But we all know that they need some offensive line help and some defensive line help as well. So, you know, obviously need a corner here. But the top three are gone, and Bill is not one for reaching. And Bill loves a sure thing, and Bill loves a physical dude, and they're going to go interior offensive line here and grab probably the best guard in the draft out of Boston College. Zion Johnson, Boston College is the pick here for the Patriots. And that takes us to an obvious one at 22 for Green Bay. Will they go defense in the first round like they have for 15,000 years as long as they've had Rodgers? I don't think so. I think the message was received this year, and by losing Adams and Scanling and everybody else that fled this receiving core, they're going to need to replace him, okay? So with who and why? The best talent available right now at wide receiver is Jamison Williams out of Alabama. But coming off of that injury, uh, the Packers just don't have time for that. They don't have time for a rehab and development and all those things. And I'm sure this kid's going to bounce back and be great. But what Green Bay needs most right now is a kid that can come in and play right away, has sure hands, and is an excellent route runner and finds places to get in between the zones, settle down, catch a ball, and take off. And that is obviously Chris Olave out of Ohio State. He will be a dream fit for Aaron Rodgers here, and that's who the Packers will take. Now, the Arizona Cardinals, who are in extreme turmoil, are up at number 23. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, I'm tired of hearing receiver here. I'm really tired of hearing receiver here. Well, they need to keep Kyler happy. And guess what? He's not, and he never will be. He's always going to deflect instead of grow. He's always going to be that guy that it's going to be everyone else's fault. We know who he is, and we've seen him down the stretch in the last two seasons. I mean, personally, I'd trade him right now. you probably get a haul for him right now, and I would trade him because he's not going to be around for too many more years. And when you back up the money truck to give it to him, you're going to be stuck with a rebuild and recovery that's going to go on for years after letting him run things into the ground. Uh, I'm telling you, this is a guy, he fades quickly physically both of the last two years he has, and we see where he wound up. That's why I told you in the last podcast, this guy's in a position of trying to hold out and demand he gets his money right now, and he wants everything up front, and he wants everything guaranteed, because he sees the writing on the wall. He hasn't played well down the stretch. He deserved all the blame that he got for it, and he can see the writing on the wall. I'm not going to be here for a long time, so I need to get my money right now. I mean, physically, he's going to burn out. The dude's 5'9", and we're finding out that he also has a way of burning out the room. I mean, I said it before. Uh, If Fitzy don't like you, then you're no good, man. They've given him tons of wide receivers, and you see these guys are all starting to bail on this guy too. Uh, I just wouldn't be so concerned with giving him a wide receiver when, again, there are plenty more you can go and get later and give him some weapon that he can try to lay the blame on later. Anyways, if you're the Cardinals here, you better go defense because the Rams and the Niners have, and your response cannot be, we'll just outscore them because you won't, especially after the way Murray fades at the end of the year all the time. You just lost the franchise all-time sack leader, and you need to replace him. So go ahead, go out and take Penn State, defensive end, outside linebacker, however you want to look at it. 
Arnold Abakiti. And that brings us to the Cowboys. Uh, we all know what went on in the offseason here, and now they got to replace that edge rusher. Uh, they also need some inside offensive line help as well, and I think that's where they're going to go. If Abakiti was still on the board here, I really do think the Cowboys would take him, but since he's gone, I don't think they're going to dip another player down on that list of edge rushers outside linebackers. I think they're going to take best available right here on the inside offensive line, and that's no slouch at all. They actually should be ecstatic to get a guy like Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M to fall in their lap this late in the first round because he is absolutely a future All-Pro, and that'll be the pick here. Kenyon Green, Texas A&M. Picking 25th and on the clock, the Buffalo Bills. And, boy, there's not a whole lot this team needs. I mean, this team is pretty solid from top to bottom. They absolutely could use a corner, and they could probably use a little help on the interior O-line, but they addressed that in the offseason. So a running back is in need of theirs as well. A lot of people think the obvious choice here is corner, and there's a good one still on the board. But hear me out here, okay? Running back is a first-round stretch anymore, isn't it? Okay, but for the Bills, I mean, they're loaded everywhere else except corner and running back. And with the top corners gone already, why not grab the best running back now? Because that'll be six picks too early. You're not supposed to do that to the second round. I mean, get your guy right here. Take Brees Hall out of Iowa State or take Kenny Skywalker third out of Michigan State right now. Take your running back right now. I mean, that my prediction is the Bills feel like they can get a running back in the second round or they can wait till later, blah, 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 blah. And they're going to go with Andrew Booth Jr., the corner out of Clemson. I really think that's what they're going to do. But you know what? He'll be fine. He'll be a really good player and all that. But I don't know. I wouldn't see a problem with taking a jump and taking your running back right there. I just think a better run game could really put this team over the edge to make their run at the Super Bowl next year. And on to the Titans, the Tennessee Titans. Okay, their biggest needs, obviously, wide receiver and somebody on that offensive line. Okay, but I'm going to tell you the Titans are going to go wide receiver here, and here's why. The window's closing for this squad, and they know it, okay? Now, they know what they're going to get out of Derrick Henry. They know what they're going to get out of that offensive line, and they need to help Tannehill, okay? And a speedy, speedy game-breaker like Traylon Brooks from Arkansas is exactly what this guy needs. Get him the ball, let him make moves, let him create for you, and take the pressure off of Derrick Henry, and most importantly, Tannehill. On to 27, Tom Brady back out of retirement and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are on the clock. Now they are definitely going to have to have some replacement at defensive tackle. I'm not sure if Sue's coming back or not, but even if he does, they're going to need some depth at that position and interior O-line. Uh, they addressed that in the offseason. They did go out and get a couple of guys there. So I would say D-line is probably the pick here, and they'll get Devontae Wyatt, defensive tackle out of Georgia. Hell of a player, and he'll be a good fit. And that brings us back to the Packers at 28. A lot of people speculating it's going to be wide receiver again, but I'm not going to say that because the Packers love to go defense in the first round. They got Chris Olave to gift Aaron Rodgers, and the Packers are going to shift here and go to what they normally do, and they're going to go defense, and they're going to go interior defensive tackle, Travis Jones, UConn. And that takes us to pick 29 and 30. Both picks belong to the Chiefs after a really strange offseason. But moving Tyreek Hill was not the worst thing in the world. I mean, everybody thinks that that's going to implode that offense. I just don't see that happening. 
nor do I see the need for them to take a wide receiver to replace him right now. I mean, they went out and got Juju uh, Smith-Schuster. They went out and got Valdez-Scanling. He's a speedster. He's going to run. They still got Kelsey. Okay, they still got Hardman. I mean, I think they're doing pretty well at wide receiver. They don't need to jump and grab one here. Again, there's a million of them in this draft they can go get if they want, and they got some solid guys in free agency here. Okay, but the other needs of theirs, definitely. Uh, Safety, corner, edge rusher. They need help on defense. They need an edge rusher like yesterday, and now I know there's been a run on this position, and I know we're down to about fifth or sixth in the pecking order here, but this is a very deep class at this position, and there still is a good edge rusher on the board here, and the Chiefs cannot afford not to reach here. They've only got one legitimate edge rusher on the roster, and they're thinking about cutting him. That's where they're at with edge players. George Karloftis is still on the board out of Purdue right here. And the only reason that this guy has fallen down this far and isn't in the top three for edge rushers is simply because his inability to close the deal when he gets to the quarterback. You look at his stats, you look at all his uh, scouting reports, and they'll tell you he puts on a clinic at creating pressure and getting to the quarterback. He just doesn't close the deal very well yet. But he's getting to the quarterback as good, if not better, than the rest of the guys in this class. So I don't think the, the Chiefs can pass that up. They'll take that at this point, man. If that kid can just get back there and cause some problems. They will take George Karloftis out of Purdue with the 29th pick, and that moves him to the 30th pick. And I'm sorry, Patrick, but this pick right here is going to go to the secondary. They got to make up for the Honey Badger bouncing, and that's what's going to happen. And they are going to take, I think, the player that I really, really want the Lions to get, and that is the safety out of Baylor, Jalen Petrie. I mean, this kid, just flip on that Big 12 championship game and watch this kid run around and play football. This kid screams Dan Campbell team. I would love for him to fall to 32. I would take him in a heartbeat. I think he's going to be every bit the player that Kyle Hamilton's going to be in this league. I love this kid, but I think the Chiefs are going to get him right here. And that takes us to the Super Bowl runner-up, or should I say, as Joe Burrow calls them, the AFC champion, Cincinnati Bengals. Um, you know, they, they've got a need – at defensive tackle, they've got to need an interior offensive line. They could really use that to protect him a little bit. And uh, they got to need a tight end now. I mean, I know that's a stretch in the first round. I'm not a big first-round tight end guy. But they ended up losing Uzma in the offseason, and he was really coming around and being a big red zone target for Joe Burrow. But interior offensive line is probably the way that a lot of people think that they're going to go. The center from Iowa, uh, Trevor Lindenbaum, probably the pick to make right here for the Bengals, but I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to go out on a limb and say they're going to go get that red zone weapon, and I'm going to go with the tight end, Trey McBride from Colorado State University. Got to go out on a limb, man. I got to go get Mel Kuyper. And that brings us to pick 32 here, end of the first round for the Detroit Lions. Now, I really can see a team trying to swap with us to move up and grab one of these quarterbacks right here, and we do not want one. So I would be fine with that. I'd be entertaining all offers to move back a few picks into the second round and pick twice at the top of the second round to give this pick up. I would do that in a heartbeat, okay? Um, like I already said, if Petrie was here from Baylor, I'd snag him up in a heartbeat. And let me tell you this right now. If N'Kobe Dean is still on the board here, which I don't think he will be, but a lot of the pros that do this thing think he still will be, I would grab that guy 
without even thinking about it. I wouldn't even let the clock run or entertain offers. I would take N'Kobe Dean, the linebacker out of Georgia, if he were available here for sure. I also would not be disappointed at all with grabbing Quay Walker, Chad Muma. These are a couple linebackers uh, that are really good, Georgia and Wyoming respectively. Uh, Chad Muma played really well at the Senior Bowl, moved himself way up the line here. Good run stopper. Kid plays all over the field. Um, like either one of those. And as an outside shot here at wide receiver, I believe Sky Moore is a Dan Campbell type of guy. There are other receivers still available right here that are better but this guy had the most broken tackles and is the most physical wide receiver in the group. And the upside on him, they say, is really, really huge. He's a kid out of Western Michigan. Uh, he's, a, he's a Dan Campbell fit. And it's not a stretch for him to be gone in the top of the second round. So right here at the bottom of the first, not that bad. Uh, those are some guys I'd really love if they're available and I would take. But I got to go according to my draft, who's on the board, and who's available right now. And if Jamison Williams is still available here, I'd take him in a heartbeat. I mean, he was the best damn receiver in this draft class, okay? He tore his ACL at the end of the year. But we are in the position right now of letting him rehab, come back slowly. We are in no demand need for him to play minute one when he gets here. We can let this kid recover. We can let him get back to form as being the best receiver in the draft class. And then next year, maybe we get Bryce to go with him. Pair those two up, you know? Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. I mean, you see how that worked out. Now, I'm not saying that's my plan moving forward. It's not. I'm just saying this kid was the best receiver in the draft class, and we've got time to let him come along. Go ahead and go get him. I also would not have a problem with taking a corner here. Kyler Gordon or Andrew Booth Jr., if they both fall in this far, they'll be available as well. But enough with the ifs and fifths, and you know what they say about that. It'd be Christmas every damn day. So I'm going to try to get some more points on the board here against Mel Kuyper. Jameson Williams pick here just because I think maybe he'll be gone, but I don't have him gone in my draft. And I'm going to go with Boy Maffi out of Minnesota right here. Another defensive pick for the Lions at the end of the first round. Now, that concludes the first round. We'll see where we land on that stuff. Um, here's a couple of guys that I would love to see the Lions possibly get their hands on at the top of the second round. Uh, sans the guys that i already named already you know uh, lewis klein sky moore chad muma uh, quay walker these guys uh, you know these linebackers here klein's a safety i'd love to see him sky moore i think is a pretty good pick at wide receiver to fit dan campbell um you know i think that they can probably get boy Mafia right there either one of those corners to fall kyler gooden andrew booth jr these are these are both two really good corners if they're available at that at that point, I don't have a problem with having to make up for that number three overall pick we botched three years ago. Um, later in the draft, I already told you, I would take a flyer on Bailey Zappi. I don't want a quarterback, but later on, I'd take a flyer on that kid. You don't know what you're getting, and he might wind up being a hell of a backup, man. And then two young kids in camp next year going at it competitively, I don't have. I think that would be really, really good for the team. I'd take a flyer on him if it landed in the right way. Um, there's one more kid that I think I really want them to, to try and get in the fifth or sixth round if he's still around, and that's a kid named Troy Anderson, linebacker out of Montana State. Now, you never heard of him. They played for the FCS national title this year. They did not win. They got blew out by North Dakota State, but this kid, when he came into Montana State, was a running back. Got a ton of carries. 
I think he led the conference in rushing yards that year and made all conference. The next year they moved him to quarterback because they have a system where the quarterback runs a lot. They moved this kid to quarterback the next year. He played quarterback and he was all conference quarterback and, and led him and everything. Okay. And then coming back last year, they moved him to linebacker as they got a different quarterback. And this kid jumped over the defensive side of the ball and set school records in tackles and was not only first team all conference as a linebacker, but was the conference defensive player of the year at linebacker and at the senior bowl put on a show. I mean, this kid went down there and played linebacker and put on a show and he played great. He's a kid that they think has a huge upside, but you know, he just may not have some of the speed and size to play every down at linebacker, but could be a special teams monster in the NFL until he gets up the, you know, size and playing regularly at linebacker. I'd, I'd love to see the lions get a kid like this. This is a Dan Campbell kid through and through, and you need special teamers like this. I'd love to see him get a shot at getting Troy Anderson, but my real, real dark horse that I want, man, I want the safety Petrie from Baylor. I like that kid. I think he's going to be a star. So those are some players to watch for me for the Lions. Love to see them get their hands on some of those guys. We'll be tweeting out live during the draft. We'll be tweeting out second, third round, you know, what we think of the picks. But I expect this regime to keep this boat on course. I expect them to keep running right down that stream the way we're going. They're not going to stop off at any ports for some second and third tier quarterbacks that wouldn't even be in the first round last year or next year. We're not doing that shit. So let's go get them. Go Lions. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, man. Thank you all for listening. Hope we get some points. Mel Kuyper, I'm coming for you. And we'll see you next time.